Uh, let me begin by giving you the setting for the passage that we're going to look at this morning uh, so that we can get a backdrop. Clean the Pharaoh of Egypt after murdering an Egyptian for abusing a Hebrew slave. Moses had settled in the land of Midian. And we have this account in Exodus chapter 2, uh, verses 11 to 22. While attending his father-in-law Jethro's sheep in the wilderness, most likely in the Sinai Peninsula, Moses encountered God on Mount Horeb. And uh, we see that account in chapter 3 of Exodus, the first six verses. The Lord informed Moses he was going to send him before Pharaoh and use him to free the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And we have that account in verses 7 to 10 of chapter 3. So that gives us a backdrop for, of the passage of scripture that we're going to look at uh, for our study today. The first question we have on page 89 is, when have you accomplished something you didn't think you could do? Yeah. When have you encountered something? Um, Albert, yes, could you get a book for Sister Curry, please? When have you encouraged, encouraged when, have you, when have you accomplished something you didn't think you could do? You look at something, it's a mammoth task. Oh, I don't know if I could do this. But you went ahead and tried anyway. Yeah. And you did it. Painting. Painting, okay. Then I had to coach someone. Hmm? Tell someone about something. Coach someone? Approach. Approach someone about something. Someone else said driving? Yeah, but I first I had to learn to drive, especially with police in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and back in between those cones. Anybody else? Taking an examination. All right. I think most of us have that one. You, know, you get into the exam room and you look at that exam and say, oh boy, I don't think I could do this. And you surprise yourself. Okay, let's look at uh, Bible Meets Life. My yeah. office, Go ahead. My office is full of artwork and I'm proud of my collection. Before you start guessing whether I prefer abstract, modern, renaissance, or cute Bible verse plaques, I'll give you a hint. I have three young children. The artwork that graces my wall is a com compilation of squiggly lines, letters, pandas, and a drawing of yours truly flying with a cape. The amazing thing about children is that no matter how their drawings look or how far outside the lines the colors go, they are always so proud of their work. And so are their parents. When did we lose that pride in our work? When did we start comparing ourselves to others? Instead of being satisfied with what we can accomplish, we tend to measure ourselves against others, and we often conclude we're not capable. While our culture may value our appearance, the size of our bank accounts, and the trophies on our walls, God operates with a different standard. Instead of valuing us by what we can or cannot do, God accepts us as we are. As we see in the life of Moses, God takes us as broken vessels with blemishes and weaknesses, 
and he accomplishes what we never thought was possible. Amen. I'm sure we've had experiences with children's artwork, right? <laughs> you know, I have uh, one of the one of the properties that I manage is, is leased to the U.S. Embassy, and recently they moved uh, a, a family moved in with a, a little child, and I think she's probably about three or four years old. And so one time the maintenance manager called, my maintenance guy called me and he said, did you see the front door? Wall? So I said, what happened? Well, no, I didn't. He said, you need to go there and see that. And uh, so when I had a chance, I went in the area and I saw child graffiti, artwork, all over the front wall, on near the front door, you know, and I said, wow, you know, how could they let it do this? They're living in a rental property. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, so I, I spoke with uh, my boss about it, and he said, did the embassy ask us to clean it up? I said, no. He said, well, just leave it alone. <laughs> you know, but uh, one of the guys who do who's responsible for the property, one of the embassy guys, came by and, and, uh, and saw it, and he said he'd have to talk to the lady about it. But I'm sure the parents are proud of what their, their little three-year-old does. <laughs> And uh, one of the guys said to me, boy, I'm scared to see what's on the inside. She's doing yeah. that on the outside. <laughs> you know, but uh, we, I'm sure we're all familiar with child art, right? Okay, so what's the point of our lesson today? God is working to us despite our shortcomings. God will work through us despite whatever shortcomings we have, right? So let's look at the first passage then, uh, on page 91, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. But Moses asked God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will certainly be with you, and this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this time. Okay, let's read the paragraph beneath that. People are not troubling our hearts. But imagine you were separated from your mother as an infant because the death sentence hung over your head. Imagine that your great mother nursed you, but then you were handed over to a different woman who adopted you and brought you up. Imagine that you committed murder as a young man, then fled to a foreign country that is on a whole new way of life. That was Moses' story. Although he grew up as a royalty in Egypt, having been adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, there were moments in his past that held him down and caused him to doubt God. So, when God called Moses to be his instrument of salvation for the nation, Moses blamed He asked, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelite out of Egypt? Moses, Moses may have been remembering <clears throat> that first time when, as a prince in Egypt, he tried to save an Israelite from being beaten by Egyptian taskmaster. He may have thought, if I could have 
if I can say even one Israelite, then I was a friend. How can I deliver all the Israelites from the Egyptian as an exile? Perhaps God's call brought to Moses' mind the question here in 40 years earlier. Who made you a commandment and judge over us? It's easy for us to find objections and realizations. Rationalize our unbelief. But God, what if? But God, what about? Your, yet your heavenly father extends to us the same answer he gave to Moses to curb his doubts and negative self-image. I will certainly be with you. Hmm. Okay. A couple of things we uh, want to note. Um, when we look at that scenario uh, described in that passage, the Hebrews, also known as the Israelites, had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And uh, we see that account in Genesis chapter 15. It's also mentioned in Acts chapter 7. Though he was born a Hebrew, Moses was raised where? Where was he raised? Right, he was raised in Egypt in Pharaoh's palace. As a son of who? Pharaoh's daughter. Right. Exodus chapter 2 gives us an account of that in the first 10 verses. About 20 years later, after killing an Egyptian, he was, who was mistreating a Hebrew slave. Remember that story? Yeah. That's recorded in Exodus chapter 2. And, uh, and also a mention of it in Acts 7 as well. Moses fled the land of Midian. There Moses met a priest named what? Jethro. Jethro, right. And eventually married one of the priest's daughters. Moses then settled in, in he settled in, into the land, like a sh in the land and lived the life of a shepherd. Uh, his father-in-law gave him a job as a, as a shepherd and he took care of his father-in-law Jethro's flocks for 40 years. While shepherding the flock in the wilderness, Moses had an encounter with who? Right, through what? A burning bush at Mount Horeb. God introduced himself as the God of Moses' ancestors. God noted he was aware of the suffering of the Israelites, his people. God informed Moses that he had a plan to deliver the Israelites from bondage. God then commissioned Moses to go back to Egypt to free the Israelites. And when we read the paragraph, we noticed that Moses balked at that, right? Moses, however, didn't seem convinced that it was a good plan. At least when it came to his part in it. Moses likely most likely, he had no desire to return to the place where there was a possibility that he could be brought to justice and even put to death. And so Moses protested God's call. Notice what he said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh 
and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt. This could have been a, a simple expression of his humility, or it could have reflected Moses' poor self-identity. Could either have been one of those two things. But we see that account in Numbers chapter 13 as well. Okay. Question number two. Well, notice the final paragraph on page 91. Notice what it says. It's easy for us to find objections and rationalize our belief. Our belief. But God, what if? How many times have we been there? Many times. God says, I want you to do it. But God, what if? But God, what about so and so? What about him? What about her? Your Heavenly Father extends to us the same answer he gave to Moses to curb his doubts and negative self-image. I will certainly be with you. He didn't say, well, I'm thinking about being with you. Oh, you know, I, 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 might, I, might, I might pass by. No, he said, I certainly will be with you. Was that enough for Moses? Question number two. How comfortable do you feel about doing what God is currently calling you to do? Great. I am totally. I love it. All right. Anybody uncomfortable about what God is calling you to do? Frightened. Frightened, little frightened, timid. Timid, afraid. Whether, wondering whether you're equipped to successfully complete the task. Okay. Yourself. Okay, doubts. Perhaps you're saying like Moses, Lord will buy me. And you're probably thinking about somebody else while you're saying that. You could probably do it do a better job, right? But God chose you to do what he has called you to do. And we'll see later on uh, what happens in Moses' case. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, God made a clear promise to be with Moses during his confrontations with Pharaoh in Egypt. That's why Moses continued, Moses' continued hesitation in verse 4, chapter 10 to 12, is so surprising. God promised, God gave him an assurance. Now, if you got an assurance from somebody with awesome power about something that you asked to do, would you still be hesitant? No, shouldn't be. I mean, this person is all powerful. There's nobody who could, you know, more powerful than they are. Would you still be hesitant? Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. But so it's surprising that Moses still is hesitant. Mm-hmm. So let's look at that uh, that next paragraph, that, that next passage, page ninety-two, which is uh, four, chapter four, verses ten to twelve. But Moses replied to the Lord, "Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent." either in the past or recently, or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. The Lord said to him, Who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Okay, look at question number two. What, do these, what do these verses teach? Three, eight. Question three here. 
what these verses teach us about our place in God's plan? As we have no fear. No fear. God will equip us. Okay. Give us courage. Courage, okay. You know, God, the great God, the man. He knows our end before our beginning to speak. He knows the end from the beginning. He gives the authority to speak, okay. Uh, the verse says, what does God say in the verse? Who placed a mouth on humans? Isn't it not I? Okay, who makes a person mute, mute or deaf? Seen or blind? Okay, something that I don't think Moses thought about, did he? Not at that time. <laughs> okay, let's look at the paragraph there. Moses was living in the shadow of his past. In his own effort and in his own way, Moses had tried to rescue one Israelite 40 years earlier. He failed miserably. Therefore, he was keenly aware of his own shortcomings. Unfortunately, Moses allowed those shortcomings, his past sins and his present self-perception, to shape his future. Years of running and living in fear have deeply affected his identity. He was broken and looking for a way out of God's plans for his life. For these and other reasons, Moses didn't see himself as the best person to speak publicly on Israel's behalf, and certainly not to speak against Pharaoh. In fact, Moses seemed convinced that he wouldn't be able to speak at all in the presence of such a man. Do you see the irony here? Moses was expressing his fear and inability to speak in front of an extremely powerful man which seems reasonable. Yet, Moses was expressing those fears to God. He was talking to the creator of the universe about how he would be, be unable to talk in front of another man. Let's be honest. If you speak to God, you certainly can't speak to any earthly king, which begs an interesting question. Why did Moses think he could negotiate with God but not with Pharaoh? <laughs> Why did he persist so stubbornly in his desire to doubt himself? <clears throat> okay, go on, the go problem was that Moses was looking at himself and not at the one calling him. That's why God reminded Moses just who it was that made him the way he was. To paraphrase verse 11, God told Moses, You think you're slow and hesitant in speech? and you've never been eloquent in communication? Well, who do you think gave you the ability to talk in the first place? Now get up and go. Mm. Whatever you may see as shortcomings are not shortcomings in the hands of God. God created you just as you are, and he will use every part of you for his glory. Nothing is beyond God's grace and power. Wow. What does that sound like to you? Encouragement. Sounds like a parent talking to a stubborn child. Like, oh. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Get up and go. That sounds like you're talking to a parent and say the child is yeah. a and don't want to do what they're told to do. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Just do it. Notice the first two paragraphs there. Living in the shadow. Yeah. Moses was living in the shadow of where? His past. his past, in his own effort, and in his own way. In other words, he wanted to do things as, as he see fit. Mm -hmm. 
Moses had tried to rescue one Israelite 40 years earlier, and he failed miserably. So he used to think of him, God says, I want you to go and rescue all the Israelites. He would say, what? You've got to be kidding me. I mean, he wouldn't say that loud to God, but in his mind, he was thinking, you've got to be joking. I tried to rescue one man, and look at all the trouble I got into, now you want me to go back and get all of them? You've got to be kidding me, Lord. He was thinking about his failure before. Yes, yes. Okay, the, the, therefore he was keenly aware of his shortcomings. Mm-hmm. If I couldn't save one, it wouldn't make me think I'm foolish enough to think that I could save a whole mm-hmm. nation. God was. Unfortunately, Moses allowed these shortcomings of his, his past sins and his present perception to shape his future. How many times people do that? Always. They become paralyzed in their future because of their past. And mm-hmm. Moses. Years of running and living in fear had deeply affected his identity. He was broken, looking for a way out of God's plan for his life. And there are many people who are doing that today. Yes. Uh, let's look at the exercise, the activity there. Did anybody do that? Uh, of course. Sorry. <laughs> How confident do you feel when talking with others about these areas of the Christian life? Talking about the gospel on a scale of 1 to 10, not confident, being the lowest, very confident, being the highest. Which number? Five. Five, okay. That's almost half. Yeah. That's a start. Anybody else? Six. Six, okay. I wouldn't talk there. Eight? Yes. Okay. Anyone else? Okay, next question. Talking about the Bible. Seven. Hmm? Seven. Good number. Nine. Nine. All right. Go ahead, Sister Brother. Okay, anybody else? Six. Six. Uh, talking about uh, how confident you are. All right. Uh, talking about doctrine and theology. Oh, many room for improvement. Three. <laughs> Three? I didn't want to say one. <laughs> Anybody else? Five. Five, okay, that's good. Talking about ethics and philosophy. Seven. Seven, okay. I was telling people about uh, living moral lives, being upright and doing the right thing. Yeah. Seven. Anybody else? Eight. Eight. Nine. Okay. Nine, okay, good. Very good. Still a work in progress. Still a work in progress. Okay. Uh, when has God used a conversation to produce spiritual fruit in your life? When I doubted that he would come true for me, he strengthened and builds my confidence and my faith. Okay. Uh, when we think of spiritual fruit, what are you thinking of? Winning the lost. Okay. Anyone else? So you talk to somebody and uh, they came to know Christ. That's spiritual fruit produced there. Okay, let's look at the other passage, uh, um, passage on uh, page 94, uh, chapter 4 of Exodus, verses 13 to 17. Moses said, Please, Lord, send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, Isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. 
and also he is on his way now to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. I will help both you and him to speak and will teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you. He will serve as a mouth for you and, and you will serve as God to him. And take this staff in your hand that you will perform the signs with. God told Moses, I will help you. Verse 12. God even gave Moses a play-by-play -play description of the immediate future, showing Moses three miracles that would prove God had sent him. Unfortunately, even those gifts didn't convince Moses. Instead of replying as Isaiah did centuries later, Here I am, send me. Isaiah 6 and 8. Moses begged, Please, Lord, send someone else. <laughs> no wonder the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Moses failed to understand that God wants to equip those he calls, rather than merely calling those who are already equipped. When God calls you to himself, he will equip you with everything you need to follow him, live for him each day, and experience his joy and fullness in your life. Fortunately for Moses, God was merciful. He relented and allowed Moses' brother Aaron to go with him. But God didn't let Moses off the hook. God didn't say, all right, Aaron will speak and you can just manage the process. Instead, God said, you will speak with him and tell him what to say. I will help both you and him to speak and will teach you both what to do. Emphasis added. God still insisted that Moses do the work God had called him to do. Why? Because God had a greater plan in store for Moses than, what, than whatever Moses was willing to settle for. When I wake up in the morning, one of the first things I do is pray. I start off my day by praying, Lord, here I am. I ask you, I ask that you would use me today. I want to be a faithful, willing, and available servant to God. After I pray, the, after I pray those words, I begin to get ready for work. While I'm getting ready, I continue my prayer by saying, Lord, please speak to me and through me today. In every, in every interaction that I have with others, I want to be available for God to speak to me and through me. As a result, I will then often end my prayer with, so I offer up to you the work I need to accomplish, my meetings, my interaction with co-workers, as well as my interactions with my neighbors, <coughs> wife, and children. Please guide those moments for your glory. This practice works for me and it can work for you. Begin your day with the understanding that God will be with you. He will, he will equip you to accomplish His purposes in your life, and He actively desires to work through you despite your shortcomings. Okay. Question number four. How would you summarize the root of Moses' objections throughout these Passages. He believed was worthless. Huh? Worthless. Worthless. Okay. Fearful. Fearful. Doubtful. Doubtful. Okay. Someone said shy. Yes. Shy. Shame. Incapable. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to do it, right? That's the 
Rebellion. That's the main question. Rebellion. So okay. yes, <laughs> scared. Mm-hmm. All right, that's afraid, scared. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of uh, main points from the passage on page ninety-four and ninety-five stand out. Um, the first one is God told Moses in verse twelve, "I will help you." Now. That's pretty clear, right? Yeah. I mean, which part of that is understand? <laughs> All right. Okay. God even God gave Moses a play-by-play description of the immediate future, showing Moses three miracles that would prove God had sent him. Do you think that was enough? Should have been. Should have been, right? Play-by-play description. God gave him all that. Now, that's not something that he could have thought of on his own. God showed him some miracles, gave him a clear description. That should have been enough, right? And then secondly, we notice that Moses failed to understand that God wants to equip those he calls rather than merely calling those who are already equipped. Okay, so God wants to shape those persons whom he's called, he wants to equip them his way so that they can do it. And, and uh, Moses said, uh, you know, that fellow's already equipped, why don't you call him? <laughs> he can speak eloquently. Yeah, I mean, call him, he's, he's ready. I mean, you, don't have to, you don't have to work on me to get me ready. He's already, he's already ready, man, go get him. Okay. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> And then thirdly, Moses, fortunately for Moses, God was merciful. <laughs> you know what it says that God anger burned? Yes. Because <laughs> God anger burned against Moses. In uh, verse 14, at this admission of his unwillingness to heed God's call, so the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And the Hebrew word for anger in this verse is used in the Old Testament to describe the anger both of God and humans. When applied to God, this anger is never unpredictable or unjustified. Rather, it's always directed toward sin and evil. So you could imagine why God was angry against Moses, because what was Moses doing? He was sinning by rebelling against God in terms of what God had clearly specified for him to do. All right, so Moses, so we see that God's anger only burns when it's it's against sin, and so we saw where Moses were was in this regard. He was sinning against God, and so rather God's anger is, is always directed towards sin and evil, which are absolutely opposed to His will which was where Moses was. In this case, God's anger was raised because Moses would not trust him. And we saw that scenario played out many times in the, in the lives of the children of Israel in the wilderness wanderings when God did something for them today and the next day they were rebelling against God simply because they didn't trust what God was telling them and what God wanted to do for them. Despite the Lord's promises and assurances Moses wouldn't take the first step of faith. Every promise and assurance God could think of, he gave to Moses. Moses was still hesitant. Yet, in his anger, 
God did not destroy Moses. Now we saw some of the scenarios with the children of Israel where some people got killed. Uh, many uh, Israelites lost their lives because of a scenario similar to what Moses went through. And so one of the things we see about God here is his mercifulness toward Moses. Now it doesn't mean that, that you know, God didn't have anybody else. You know, he could have just killed Moses and get someone else. You know, because Moses, in his mind, Moses was thinking, you know, there's somebody else there who's already equipped to do this. Why, why pick on me? You know, God could have just wiped him out, destroy him. But God was merciful toward Moses and didn't destroy him. Remember the time when he almost uh, destroyed him because of the uh, 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 circumcision issue? And his wife stepped in. Instead, he showed grace to the stubborn shepherd. Even so, God's grace didn't relieve Moses of the responsibility to carry out his mission. God showed him grace, but he didn't take him off the hook, right? Okay, the other thing that we see, uh, final thing we see here is God insisted that Moses do the work he had called him to do. God didn't say, okay, I understand what you're feeling. I understand what you're going through. You know, I'll, I'll let you slide. I'll let you off the hook. Why? Because God had a greater plan in store for Moses than whatever Moses was willing to settle for. That's right. And so whenever we find ourselves in a situation where we are rebellious against what God wants us to do, think about it. God has a bigger plan. God sees the bigger picture. When the parade is passing, we see it as it passes. God sees the whole parade at one shot. Boom. And so we need to be mindful that God knows better. Question number five. How can we help one another move out of our comfort zones in order to obey God? Brenda would always say prayer. Yeah. Hmm? Brenda would always say prayer. Pray for them? Okay. Encourage them. Encouragement. I, t- I let them know you would at that point one too. Mm-hmm. And share your testimony to them because at one point you were there too. And God brought you up. Okay. Overcome Okay, so the system from an experiential perspective. Wisdom. Anybody else? Wisdom. Wisdom? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, I do see Moses being rebellious as much as see how much fear can take hold of you. He was more fearful than you. So he was more fearful than you say being rebellious. So he's paralyzed fear, by fear. Fear, fear. fear can really take hold of you. But the Almighty God has given him all kinds of shots and promises. <laughs> you know? I know what why God keeps saying that they are not, they are not, they are not. It's the kind of creatures that we are. We are very God He keeps telling us reassurance. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Um, page 96. Let's see how we can um, apply this, what we've gotten here today. How will, we, how will you respond to God's continual call in your life? Consider taking one of these steps in the days to come. 
No, you don't have to take all three of them. You just take one of them, whichever one applies. Deal with the past. Moses' past sins affected his outlook and posture in life. What temptations tend to come up repeatedly for you? What sins do you often commit? Ask the Lord to free you from these chains, those chains. That'd be for me. Okay. And then secondly, focus on the present. When you wake up each morning, start your day by submitting yourself to God and His plans. And then thirdly, be accountable. One of the best ways to overcome your shortcomings is by sharing them with others and inviting others to keep you accountable. In fact, this is one of the key attributes to being a disciple of Christ, building relationships with others and living unashamed lives. Who can you ask to keep you accountable in your walk with Christ? Probably a close friend, uh, confidant. You and I have shortcomings. Yep. It's true. Even so, you and I are valued members of God's kingdom. We have the chance each day to walk for him or to work for him as he equips and encourages us to make a difference. So there we have our marching orders for the week.